This is the Get Greater podcast, maximising finances for university students, thanks to the University of Newcastle and Greater Bank. This is the Get Greater podcast. General advice in this podcast has been prepared without considering your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any advice, consider its appropriateness. Consider the relevant disclosure documents, which include product disclosure statements for any financial products, and seek advice from a licensed financial advisor to decide what is right for you. Whilst we cannot give you any specific advice, here are some examples that may help you gain a better understanding of banking so you can make better choices. Hello, and welcome to the Get Greater podcast, a podcast that discusses all things finance. My name is Blake and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, University of Newcastle Finance Ambassadors, Eamon and Paul. Welcome. Fabulous to be with you. Yeah, great to be here, Blake. Well, today we are discussing a very complex topic of personal taxation. This is going to be part two of our podcast on personal taxation, so please give part one a listen. It explained the basic information surrounding the Australian tax system. So, today we'll be going through completing a tax return, so let's get into it. How do I complete my tax return? Yeah, so there are two main ways uh, you can lodge your tax return. We'll call it option one and option two. So, option one is to complete the return through MyTax, and this MyTax is linked to your MyGov account. MyGov is obviously the government technology app which allows you to engage in a range of government services. This allows you to fully complete your return by yourself. So, in the previous episode, we discussed the principle of self-assessment, whereby you are responsible for lodging your tax return. So, the benefits of MyTax are the ATO can pre-fill most information from uh, employers, banks, government agencies, health funds and third parties, and therefore you can get your return faster and there's no external costs associated with that. Option two is to use a registered tax agent. Using a registered tax agent can be beneficial for people with complex tax arrangements, overseas tax considerations or numerous different assets. So generally I'd say the tax agents are used by uh, wealthier people who have a broader variety of assets and more, as I said, complex tax arrangements. Yeah, this is a very complex topic, so I wouldn't be surprised if even the everyday person would like some advice on their tax. So, what actually encompasses a tax return? Yeah, so there's four main segments of your tax return, and they are income, and they include all your interest and dividends that you may receive. The second segment is deductions. They're sort of like your expenses caused by earning your employment. Income tests is another section. And the final one, and one that I think people forget about, is Medicare and private health insurance. So, what we'll now do is we'll go through those segments individually for everyone. All right, that sounds great. So, let's start with income, a section every person will have. In your return, you must declare all the income you receive from your employment, pensions, Uh, government payments, investments, uh, foreign incomes, and even if you own a business. As mentioned before, most of the information will be pre-filled by the ATO if you're using the MyTax online through MyGov. However, it is important to maintain records of your income information. And we talked about in the previous podcast the importance of keeping a variety of documents, and that will assist you in filling out MyTax. 
With the rise of technology in the gig economy, the ATO is cracking down on income derived from crowdfunding and the sharing economy and making sure individuals are correctly determining their income. Yeah, so there is also some income that do not need to be included in your tax return. And there are three main types, and we'll go through them now. The first one is exempt income. So this is income you don't pay tax on. However, it is used to work out tax losses of early income and your adjustable taxable income of your dependents. And some examples of this include disability support pensions, carers allowance, some scholarships, grants and awards are possibly exempt, and any lump sum payments you receive on a surrender of an insurance policy when you are the original beneficial owner of a policy. A lot of these are things like injury insurance and personal insurance like that. The second category is non-assessable, non-exempt income. So this is income that is not assessed and you do not pay tax on at all. And it includes any tax-free component of a employment termination payment, any co-contributions to your super, and anything we've seen, obviously, the devastating bushfires in 2019-20 and also recently some flooding. And so part of that is any disaster recovery allowance is income that will not be assessed at all and you will not pay tax on. And finally, any amounts that are not taxable at all and you don't have to worry about are gifts on special occasions such as cash birthday presents. You don't need to claim that that's any sort of income. Any prize you won on any ordinary lottos, any prizes you won on a game show, Unless you receive an appearance fee, then the appearance fee counts. And any child support or spouse maintenance payments that you may receive. So they're all exempt. Obviously, for a full list of any income requirements, go to the ATO website. It's an amazing website, has plenty of information. And click on individuals, click on income and deductions. It'll give you a whole list of things that you do need to include, things that are exempt. And so also included in the overall taxable income for those savvy student investors, uh, investment gains. So it's important that all the information is correctly provided in this section and includes things like interest, dividends, uh, rent and capital gains. So interest income specifically includes interest from financial institution accounts and term deposits, interest from any other source on investments, so uh, dividends or even a capital gain if you've sold a share, interest from the ATO, life insurance bonuses or interest from foreign sources. So dividends are paid to you as money or other property, including shares. Some dividends may be eligible for a franking credit, which will offset your tax bill. Rent must also be declared. Income includes any rent-related payments such as rental bond money if you become entitled to it, an insurance payout to compensate you for lost rent, a letting or booking fee, or rent you receive from renting out a room or whole place for a short time basis through a website or app. Yeah, and the final one, which we won't go into much detail because it is way too complex, is capital gains. So capital gains must be also declared if you make a profit when you sell a capital asset. Generally, your capital gains is the difference between your what you paid for it and the amount that you ended up receiving this amount is also treated under capital gains tax and you could be uh, you may have to pay that for more information on capital gains tax go to the ato website way too confusing to be added in here rate and review us it doesn't cost a cent do it now wherever you listen let's move on to deductions what can you claim against your taxable income 
You can claim quite a lot of things, but like we mentioned in part one, make sure you have documentation for anything that you're claiming. And the main category is work-related expenses. There are seven main deductions available to be claimed in relation to work-related expenses. The first one is motor vehicle and car expenses. So this can be calculated either using cents per kilometre or the logbook method. A lot of people will choose to do the cents per kilometre because it's relatively easy. The key point is, is that these motor vehicle and car expenses must be expenses occurred for doing your work. It isn't travelling from where you live to your work. does not count must be using your car for work-related purposes. Also related to that is travel expenses, and this is for when you have to travel away from home overnight for work, and again, must be not reimbursed by your employer. The third one is clothing, laundry, and dry cleaning expenses. This can only be claimed if your expenses fall within one of the next three categories. So you must have occupation-specific clothing, e.g. a chef, that has pretty occupational. No one goes around wearing chef's uniform every day of the week. Any protective clothing that you might need, so safety glasses, leather boots can all be claimed if you're in that workforce, so like mining. And any compulsory uniforms that you may have. So if your um, place of employment has a uniform that is compulsory, you can claim laundry and dry cleaning expenses for that. The fourth one is self-education expenses. And again, can only be claimed if it is related to your current employment. Work from home expenses is another one, and you can claim that if additional expenses have resulted from you working from home, and it is quite wide-ranging. You can have um, claim expenses for your additional electricity and water, any sort of increase in your internet bills or your phone bills. If you are using your internet and your phone as a sort of a mix between your work and your personal you have to sort of do a percentage of what you believe you use it for work and what you believe you use it for home and then claim the percentage that you use for your work. Finally, we've got tools, equipment and other assets. Again, must be related to your current employment. That's for things like tradies or if you're working in an industry like that. And any union or subscription to associations like business improvement societies or anything like that can also be claimed. You're also eligible to claim deductions for other expenses incurred. These include the cost of managing tax affairs. So if you visit a professional who helps manage your tax, you're able to deduct that, which is really helpful and incentivizes people to go and actually get a professional to look at their tax. Gifts and donations, interest charged by the ATO, interest dividend and other investment income deductions. This includes interest charge on an investment property mortgage or borrowed to buy shares, personal super contributions and income protection insurance. Yeah, it is important that people have an understanding at least what they can deduct from their taxable income because a lot of the things mentioned there, a majority of the working population, you know, have compulsory uniforms or they use protection in one way or another. And also it is good to know that you can actually claim your bill if you see a tax professional so it does incentivize people to go get professional help so along with deductions are there also offsets and rebates available to directly reduce the amount of tax payable yeah so there are there are many different offsets and rebates available however the difference between deductions is that your offsets and your rebates can only reduce your tax payable to zero so you can't get a refund from your tax offsets there are five to six sort of main offsets available to a majority of Australians. There are also a few more that are very niche. 
sort of offsets that are available to some people. So the first one is private health insurance rebate and offset. We'll mention that in the next section when we talk about the Medicare levy and the private health. One key one is called LIMITO, and it is low and middle income earners tax offset. And you can receive a maximum of $700 from that offset, and that is for people earning under $45,000 a year. The next one is known as SAPTO, and SAPTO is a seniors and pensioners tax offset and that can claim up to $2,230. So that's really important for a lot of pensioners because a lot of pensioners are sort of asset-rich and cash-poor, so a big tax bill can really affect them. Super-related tax offsets, and so one example of this is you can claim up to $540 for super contributions made on behalf of your spouse into their super account. One that will affect some people in rural and regional areas is the Zones and Overseas Forces tax offset. And this is available to people living in isolated areas. And there's two different zones, Zone A and Zone B. Zone A being sort of regional cities and towns. One example being places like Darwin is, uh, I think, a Zone A, where Zone B is remote sort of areas of Australia. And you get a offset based on where you live and the amount that you earn. And the final one is called a foreign income tax offset. And this provides relief from double taxation if you do happen to earn income from an overseas asset and it is taxed in that country. So it would be good to know if you actually can fall under one of these offsets or rebates. Yeah, and the other thing I'll mention is is that you don't have to calculate any of these yourself. The ATO does all of that calculations from the information that you put into your tax return. But it is helpful to know about those offsets so that you can make sure that if you're able to claim them, you can claim them. Save a stamp. Drop us an email to tell us what you want to learn about your finances. Finance Academy at newcastle.edu.au. So finally, we will talk about the Medicare levy and private health insurance rebates. So the Medicare levy is 2% of your taxable income and is paid on top of your current tax rate. Uh, There is also a surcharge if you, your spouse or your dependent children do not have an appropriate level of private patient health cover and if you earn above a certain income, which is $90,000 for individuals and $180,000 for couples or families because the children can also have an income in that. What this is in place for, this is to try and encourage more people to get private health cover and to try and take the strain off the public health system by having more people in the private system. Another government initiative is to encourage the uptake of private health is known as the lifetime health cover loading. So what this means is is that if you do not have private patient hospital cover from the year you turn 31, you will pay a 2% loading on top of your premium for every year you are aged over 30. And as we mentioned before, there are rebates on private health insurance that are also available. And these rebates are generally taken off the cost of your policy when you uh, apply from your policy. That's exactly right. This therefore makes it important to have full details of your private health policy entered into your tax return, uh, as it could lead to significant tax savings or penalties, depending on your situation. And all information talked about today can be found on the Australian Tax Office website, which has all the information necessary including previous rulings and examples to make sure you're completing your tax return as accurately as possible. So to finish up, we'll just go through some key takeaways. My first key takeaway is Paul knows a lot about taxation and it's a very complex system. I mean, I guess it's always important to be 
honest and as accurate as possible because as we talked about in the first episode on taxation you can face some pretty hefty penalties if you if you don't comply with the the laws and the rules so paul have you got anything for us yeah well obviously uh bringing the two parts together key points are if you're claiming any of the deductions that we have mentioned in this part make sure you have the appropriate documentation that we mentioned in part one and make sure that when you do your tax return, as Eamon has said, make it as honest as possible. People do make mistakes in their tax return. People do forget that they may have earned, they may have forgotten that they had a share in a certain company and received dividends. And if you do realise you make a mistake, you can go and amend your previous returns and not face penalties for it if you do realise you've made a mistake. So that's a key point. And you can do tax returns for earlier years. For example, if you didn't realise you had to do a tax return, recently just got a job, weren't earning over $18,000, didn't realise that the employer was taking out pay-as-you-go payments, you can do tax returns from two, three years previously and receive that tax back because it is your money. It doesn't belong to the ATO. The ATO takes the ATO section and all that extra money belongs to you. So make sure you do try and claim it. Because I know a lot of university students sort of forget about their jobs that they started when they were 15 or 16. Hmm. And it is actually a legal requirement for the businesses to take pay-as-you-go out if they believe that you may earn close to $18,000. So make sure you also go and make sure you've completed all your returns. So that comes to the conclusion of our two-part series. Hopefully today you've had some useful information and it will help you with your next tax return. Be sure to catch up on all of our other podcasts on the Get Greater series, including part one if you have missed that. Well, I'm sure you'll hear us again. I'd like to say thank you to Paul and Eamon for this series and I'm sure we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thanks to all the listeners who have made it this far too. This is the Get Greater podcast. If you like this podcast, invest in listening to our others. There's a lot more to learn.